What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. And he talked about, he was like, just drink your calories. And I was like, that feels like cheating. And he's like, make it suck. And I was like, okay. So I um, I made an oatmeal shake Ugh. for myself in the morning. I took, I took two scoops, so a cup of oatmeal and a cup of milk and two scoops of protein powder, a banana, and peanut butter. And I blended it. And I had it in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it was delicious. I, <laughs> I was so mad. <laughs> Welcome to The Crunch, the only podcast that reaps what they sow. It's your boy, Ethan. And I'm Patrick. (laughs) When I reap, I think to myself, yes. When I sow, I think to myself, no. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a you tweet? Uh, No, but that could be. Maybe one day. Mm Mm-hmm. Just inspired by what you were saying earlier, maybe. Who not. said that? That that you, was a, that sounds did. familiar. Me? You said that. Well, really? Not, maybe not you. I don't know. Maybe I just stole a Tommy Ty tweet on accident. That that happens sometimes. Yeah. I I think that I'm very funny, and in reality, Tommy Ty is funny. Just said it first. How's uh how's how's the Thursday after Ash Wednesday? Oh, you mean as Meat it, Island Thursday? As it is called. What if we got the breviary to change today, liturgically, to Meat Island Thursday? <laughs> and not the Thursday after Ash Wednesday. Yes. I was very confused in my Lenten breviary because it said... Because uh, yesterday was Salter week three for Friday, and then today was week four. Yep, I was like, exactly. what on earth? I was, I was really thrown for yesterday a loop. Yesterday, was, y- yesterday it, said, it said, for, the morning, for morning prayer, it said, use Salter week three for morning prayer on friday friday Friday, week three and i was like friday week three for wednesday morning but not the evening but not evening yes and then i was like it didn't say to start back over it on thursday week four and i was very confused yeah i think they it's week four so that it can start lent on week one which makes sense but they didn't it was it was buried in there you had to find it it was (sighs) you know just breviary things am i right guys look (laughs) at us breviary boys hanging out talking about the breviary chilling I will say though, at at six twenty a.m. when uh-huh. I was trying to figure this all out, I felt like an absolute moron because my <laughs> brain was just not—I was not cognizant of anything that was going on around me. You've been waking uh, up at six a.m. I've been trying to. It's been—it's been good so far. It's a part of my Lenten disciplines, Patrick. Well, six a.m. for you is seven a.m. for me, so that's kind of weak sauce in my opinion. I was thinking about this when I was on the toilet this morning at approximately six thirty-five. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, okay, it's this, it's pretty early, but Patrick's probably already up. He's probably already at work. East Coast is going. I was, And then I made this grand connection, which it's probably not grand now, but it was grand then, that like this is why everybody's a hippie in California is because all the fast-paced East Coast news happens before they wake up. It's when they wake up and things have already happened, and they're like, uh, doesn't really matter because it, it happened four, <laughs> four hours ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's kind of crazy to think about. It's ridiculous. What if we... What if we all lived on the same side of the country? What if God picked up America and went? (laughs) (laughs) Just tilted us to the side. Tilted us and we all went, "Ah." I will will say that fasting yesterday gave me more time to pray, Mm. which was very good. Tell me more. So instead of just doing, in, in the morning I do office of readings and morning prayer. And instead of just doing that, I was able to read a chapter of The Interior Castle. Oh, that book. Which is a book that I have not picked up in a bit. The book makes me angry. I think I haven't picked it up for like two and a half years. Why? Because I read The Second Mansion. And I say, okay, that I'm in that one. Yeah, yeah there we go. And I read, and then I read The Third Mansion. I'm like, okay, I could get to that one. <laughs> but then I'm stuck in the second one and I can't get out of it. It's like a... It's like a <laughs> It's like the interior funhouse. It's ridiculous. It's a maze. I it's like it's like the it's like the Super Bowl halftime show up in here. I can't get oh. out. Oh, yeah, I watched that. But I'm blinded I, by the light uh, of God. 
it's very frustrating because Teresa of Avila is like, yeah, all this is very simple for souls to get from the second mansion to the third mansion. All you have to do is increase in, in virtue and self-knowledge. I was like, oh, yeah, that's those are the things I do all the time. And then it's been six months and I look back and it's, I'm still there. <laughs> it's it's so frustrating. I'm sure I'll grow to appreciate Interior Castle at yeah. some point in my life. But as of right now, I just feel like Teresa of Avila just kind of stamped me on the forehead it said like go back to go do not collect two hundred dollars <laughs> my, my theory of the interior castle is that you can you can understand the castles up to the one that you're in and then one more like you can't understand anything because like i read i read the i read like up to castle seven like i tried reading part of castle seven i was like i've castles like five six and seven sound exactly the same to me I'm they, like, i don't I understand agree. The yes difference. yes i don't I understand agree. the difference but I think I if I was in, if I was in like, if I was in like the first castle, like back, back when I was in high school, I think it was like, I'm, I'm trying to be Catholic, but I'm also still trying to maintain like some of the, the sins that I enjoy, you know, not mm-hmm. this, you know, I think I wouldn't be able to tell the difference between two and seven. You know, I was like, that sounds the same to me, you know, the second, the second half of interior castle is just Teresa of Avila talking about how you are completely consumed by the love of God over and over again in a bunch of different ways. <laughs> that's, yes. That's all it sounds like to me, to me. <laughs> and I don't know, Teresa, I don't know if you're listening to this. I hope that you are. Uh, what gives? <laughs> <laughs> Do the interior castles correspond to the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit? I think Do they, they might. correspond to the seven virtues? Seven virtues, so like the, the four f- human the four and, and the three theological. The three theological. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But I, I think I think the I think the uh the seven virtues correspond to the the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, Interesting. And Augustine Augustine did like a the eight beatitudes since the first and the eighth are kind of similar he truncated them any of the seven beatitudes corresponding to the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit mm. I did the seven baby steps of Dave Ramsey compared to the beatitudes but you know that's did just you me. that's did. that sounds like a whole other podcast whole different podcast wait I don't understand why I didn't open with this I went skiing for the first time. <laughs> wait what <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding me. I I don't understand why I didn't open with this. We spent 20 minutes talking about Planet Fitness. I was awful. (laughs) skiing? At first, I I was very excited. I went up the ski lift. (laughs) I was there with my kids, my team. You were were sitting there dangling your legs over the side. I was like, hey, we're going going up up the hill. And I was like, first of all, if you ever go to a ski place and you strap on your skis for the first time, the first place Uh you go is not a ski lift. Okay, the first place you go is to a tiny hill to practice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I did not do this. Oh, Patrick! I went to the very tippy top, and I was of the I, big I, slope. My my of a slippery slope, and my teen Jet, he, one of my kids, Jet. His name's he went, Jet. His name is Jet. Okay. Does his, he does he run a gang of freedom fighters in the forest? <laughs> His 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 brothers and sisters all have insane names. Okay, they're they're like <laughs> the coolest names ever. His older brother's name is Jagger. There's wow. Jude Jovi. They're great, and then and then there's John, and there's John. No, 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 none of them. They're all they're all they all have these great names. Okay, Okay. so me he me and him get to the top. We immediately fall. Uh, when we get off the lift, we we tried to get up. We tripped. Um, I lost a ski. It was fine. And then we got the skis (laughs) back on. And then we like went over. We were trying to find like an easy slope, right? Uh We tried to look at the map. We couldn't tell where we were going. We went down to the slope. The slopes all start at the same point and they diverge off. Okay. Uh Yeah. They kind of depend on you to know how to like slow yourself down and steer. I didn't know how to do that. And so I ended up sliding right Pizza, onto what French I found fry. out later. I had those backwards. I oh. I, I <laughs> no, you're <laughs> What? No, I didn't I didn't know how to do any of it. It's so, very obvious that pizza is the one that slows you down and French fry is the one that makes you go faster. <laughs> what are you That's talking not about? how boats work. Okay. <laughs> what what? <laughs> This makes you go faster in the water well, yeah, and this in the air. It's because boats are different than skis. <laughs> right on this snow. I understand this now. Okay. <laughs> I get it now. But uh-huh. as I was drifting closer towards what I found out later was a black diamond slope, I did not oh, know this. Patrick. And so my first king skiing experience was down a black diamond. I only fell three times. Yeah. I went very fast. A Did lot faster than any, I wanted to. Hit any trees? I hit one tree, and it was very. It was a slow. It was slow. Um, it was awful. It was awful. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> 
the fact that you hit the tree slowly is so much better than you hitting it fast. <laughs> because even good skiers will hit trees quickly, but you <laughs> just putting along at five miles an hour. I it was it stop. was stop. I couldn't stop. And I was like, I'm just gonna hit this tree. Pine needles raining down. On oh, top it, was of you. Be- it was so oh, it was so man. bad. It was so You're hard. Kidding. And we got me and me and Jet got to the bottom. We were like, we have to leave. We can't do this <laughs> we anymore. Have to- <laughs> we have to go. We can't <laughs> ski. We don't know. I'm not gonna do that again. Are you kidding me? But then we walked, we found the bunny slope and we were like, heck yeah. That's so good. I learned uh, I only fell a couple of times on that, but after a uh, while, I learned how to ski. It took me like four or five uh, tries. It uh, was great. And then I, I skied several we after we all learned how to ski. Okay, we skied for like eight hours. It was a very long time. And at the end of the day, I was good enough to go back down the hill that I went down the first time without falling at all. The Black Diamond. Yes. That's incredible. It was awesome. I'm proud of you. It was a very very interesting experience because there was a point. I didn't get I didn't pay for a lesson. One of my teens paid for a lesson. Probably a smart move. No, no, no. You j- learned by experience. You learned the the human way. You know, <laughs> I don't the need first, teachers. The first thing they teach you apparently when you sign up for a lesson is they say, "Don't fall," which Great. you think is funny. Like you think like that's a stupid thing. But when I was thinking about it, like when I when I was going down the hill, falling was an option, uh-huh. and it was less scary than continuing yeah. down the hill. Yeah, and so it's an option that I the, the the times that I fell down were times that I chose to fall down. Because right. I was going, I'm going too fast. I don't know how to control myself. I need to fall down. Now, granted, I probably should have fallen because I didn't know how to stop. So, you know, that was the only, that was the only option. Yeah, right, right. But as I went on and I did know how to ski, I was like, I could speed up or I could fall. Um, but there was, a, there was a point where I actually, like, the, the, the moment where I was like, I now know how to ski was when, um, you know, you go down in a zigzag, right? That's also not something, that's also something I figured out after a while. I was going to zigzag the other way. There was trees on my right. There was a lady on my left. So I couldn't zigzag. I had to keep going fast. I also couldn't slow down because the ski, the, the powder. Did you start to, to hunch over? And was there a giant ramp coming up in front of you? And you were about yeah, to. Yeah, I did like, the X thing. Like, like, in Wii, like in Wii Fit, the yes. game where you had to be balanced on the balance board and then fly. No, I didn't oh, do that. Oh, okay. But I was like, I have to keep going. Um, I have to speed up because I have to miss this lady, right? And so I was like very fast and I was like, I was starting to like get nervous and I was like, I have to fall over. But I was like, you know what? No, I'm not falling down. And I was like putting my, my mental foot in the, in the, in, on the ground. I was like, I'm going to put my foot in the sand or whatever that is. expression uh-huh. uh-huh. yeah. And I didn't fall and I, 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 I felt great. It was good. So it was a, it was a learning experience. Yeah. So I'm me so skiing for the first time is definitely podcast worthy. I don't know why That's I didn't bring great. that up. And that's okay. I've never been skiing. I want to go skiing so bad. If you there should are come any, skiing. if there are any podcast listeners that have access to skis, and or are good at skiing, and or you would want to host me to come ski with you, let me know. <laughs> because we'll have a corporate I, ski retreat. That's what I will doing. gladly take a weekend and go learn how to ski with very someone. fun. That would be so, I would, I've literally dreamed about it for so long. I'm from Kansas. You know what Kansas is known for? Being literally, they study this scientifically, flatter than a pancake. (laughs) (laughs) I'm from Florida. It's a similar thing. There are no hills. There's no hills. There's no snow in Florida. In Kansas, there's, there's snow and there's this nice idea and you watch Disney Channel movies and you think, oh, I could snowboard. You know, and then and then you go outside and it's like there's the hill next to the lows that's barely big enough to like roll <laughs> down, you know, and there's kids out there with their snowboards and you look at them. And you're like, there's they don't know. They don't know where they live. It's just tragedy. How did the, how did their parents buy them this? I mean, you can you can get anything online these days. That's, I true. Bought a, that's true. I bought a wedding ring online. <laughs> My the, the, the hardest thing about skiing is the mental game is the mind game, because like. What your brain is telling you, you can't think about what you're doing. Right. You can't think about what's actually going on. Ugh, because what was happening so in my head was my brain was going, do you realize what we're doing right now? And I was yeah. like, what? And it was like, we're falling yeah. down a mountain. Really we are fast. slipping down a mountain. I'm like, no, on we're skis. having fun. And my brain was like, danger, danger, danger. <laughs> that's, why it's so, that's why it's so fun. That's why people keep going back. It's because they love it. I have they generalized the anxiety. <laughs> that's okay. That's fair. The, the general encompasses falling down mountains. <laughs> yeah, the anxiety encompasses anxiety. <laughs> Anx- anxious. 
But after after a while, I got over it, which is good. That's so good. After Man. I was confident. Um, but yeah, it was it was nice. Did you know that you do when they start you off, they don't start you off with poles. You're not supposed to have poles. Why is when that? you start off? Because they get in the way. Probably. Yeah. You shouldn't. Also, add if too you're falling elements. over, you don't want to fall on top of a pole. Yeah. Spoink. But it was easy. It was better for walking. It was hard. It was hard to learn how to walk uphills and skis. Listen, if John Paul II could ski into his seventies, I think we can we can figure this out. This is what I'm saying. We can be crunch. We can be crunch. I have so much more respect for John Paul II. Like I understand he was a saint, like performed miracles and got shot. But I have so much more respect for him now (laughs) (laughs) because you because you know how hard because now I know how hard it is to ski. My the greatest greatest John Paul II quote, maybe not the greatest one, but one that's really good, is that there were there were two cardinals in Poland, and somebody asked him like, "How many of the cardinals in Poland ski?" And he said forty percent, because he <laughs> he considered uh, Cardinal Wyszynski to be uh, more of a cardinal than he was, which was just is just funny. That is really funny. Uh, he loved he loved showing deference to people, and he also loved skiing. Is it becoming of a cardinal to ski? Isn't it unbecoming of a cardinal to ski? And he says it's unbecoming of a cardinal to ski poorly. Indeed, it's a classic John Paul II quote. He's he's a great guy. Love love it when he when he goes. Speaking of going, <laughs> you want to go to the hot take time machine? <laughs> I, was hoping, I was hoping you'd you'd help me out there, and you just let me sit in that pool that I created. Yeah, I made a I made a wet pool of my own doing. <laughs> well, speaking of wet pools of our own doing, let's look at our social media posts. Indeed. Uh, welcome to the Hot Take Time Machine, the part of the show where we take a look back at the prime of our social media posting lives. If you have a hot take, it's five years or older, send it on over to Patrick at thecrunchcast.com. Ethan, do you have a hot take for us? I don't know where it went. <laughs> I don't know where it went. Do you want me to go first? <laughs> the, the, the tab is gone. Uh, <laughs> it just disappeared. I had yeah. to keep my tab open because I found a controversy that I accidentally created. Oh, you want to you get into that while I find my no, hot take no, real no, quick? No, it needs to be saved. Oh, for later? Yeah, I, I, this is something that caused a person to unfriend me. Oh, like uh, in real life or on yeah, yeah. Facebook? Oh, and, and on Facebook, obviously. Oh, okay. All right, I got my tweet. <clears throat> this was March 7th, 2016. I don't know if you remember 2016. No, it was all. It was, an, it was an election year. Uh, not if you don't vote. Not I'm hey. <laughs> Got it. Got a mail on that ballot. Um, my tweet was, I was, I was clearly getting frustrated with the state of political the conversation. State, this, yeah. this was the beginning of, of it for me. This tweet says, I can't wait until Catholic hyphen politics hyphen Rubio Twitter goes back to regular Catholic Twitter. <laughs> I really just didn't enjoy all the conversation about Marco Rubio because everybody's saying he's the guy cuz he's cuz he's got a tiny little picture of John Paul II on his on his desk and big old know? ears and big old ears but what did he what did he turn out to be nothing 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 so was he frustrated didn't even about win Florida he didn't even win Florida I'm frustrated about Marco Rubio uh, I was frustrated about Twitter I was frustrated already then 5 years ago about Catholics aligning themselves with the far right with the alt right of Marco Rubio <laughs> <laughs> the alt right of Mar- yeah, back when Marco Rubio was far right, far right, he really was though. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Things things happen so fast. Oh if you don't stop gosh. and take a look around, you might miss it. <laughs> if you if you if you don't take if you don't stop and look around once in a while, you may find yourself marching with tiki torches through the, <laughs> through the streets of Charleston. <laughs> if you don't stop and look at what you're doing, you may end up. Uh, if you don't, if you don't throw your dad's Ferrari out of a glass display room <laughs> once in a while, you might forget that the working class has to rise up against the bourgeois. Oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> the only thing the proletariat has to lose is their chains. That's okay. <laughs> so speaking of class warfare, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> here's my hot take. Uh, on October 29th, 2015. Um, I reposted this meme. It's a picture of a cowboy, and he's very filtered, and it's a text post. Then it says, this is, the, this is the meme, not me speaking. Maybe if fellas listened to country more, they would know how to treat a lady. Oh. And so I posted, how to treat a lady, according to <laughs> country music. One, call her Lil Mama. Two, give her alcohol. Three, seduce her with tractors. Um, 
I and was just about to start singing Big Green Tractor. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I thought this would be funny because the idea that someone would say, maybe you would know how to treat women if you listened to country music was just insane to me. The idea that that was an honest opinion that someone had. And so I thought it was very funny. Um, and then... And then... Um, someone commented, uh, not all country guys are like this. And I was like, yeah, okay, obviously. Uh-huh. And then she got very upset. She uh-huh. said, they don't call women little mama. And tractors are a heck of a lot better looking than those ugly smart cars you guys have. I grew up on a farm. And I'm a little offended by this post. I'm just saying, country guys are a lot better than Catholics. Everyone what? should be thankful for country people. <laughs> we are the ones who are out on the farms busting our asses so people like you have food on the table. You guys could not last a minute in my house doing the things my family and I do on a farm. And I said, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean any offense. This is just a joke. It's more about country music than people that live (laughs) in the country. And she said, I did not know that. I am sorry. And she unfriended (laughs) me. And then it started turning into, like, a political thing because someone goes, if it weren't for conservatives, liberals wouldn't have any food. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Uh, It's it's just so crazy how you can post a meme about, (laughs) uh, like, a very obvious satirical – well, not satirical. You can post it very obviously satirically and make a comment about country music. And then two comments later, we are one step away – from talking about the Jews, like it is, yes. we are we are so close to <laughs> we're so close to talking about things that we should not be discussing on on public forums. It's, you, someone's trying to start a race war between people who do the chores that country people do and people who drive smart cars. I got bad news for you, sister. Every farm that produces the food or poultry that you eat these days is run by tons of AI and tons yes. of smart technology because they're maximizing everything they can do. Small town farmers are losing their jobs. They're moving into the city. You know what they're driving? Smart cars. <laughs> I'm I just, just saying. I just remember 2015 was so a funny. was a more interesting time when, when dunking on someone on Facebook uh, consisted of good points. If it weren't for conservatives, liberals wouldn't have any food. Well, technically, they wouldn't be alive because none of them have guns. It was so easy to just, like, make a very clearly right-wing or (laughs) left-wing comment. Yes. There was no... You don't... They hadn't invented nuance yet. Yeah, they had it. It was truly the Stone Ages. There was no... It really was. I like the implication that in order to be alive, you have to have a gun. Well, I mean, obviously, that's the second most important thing. The con- the to, the to what the framers were like. First of all, you have to be able to say whatever you want, and second of all, you have to be able to shoot. Because if you because if you talk too much, <laughs> you might need to defend yourself. It's true. <laughs> it's not really that. That's not incorrect. Anyway, I don't want to. I don't want to go any further, or I'll steal a John Mulaney bit on accident. But I did always think no, it was good. funny that the Third Amendment is soldiers can't live in your house. It just <laughs> they lived in such a different time than we did. <laughs> really did. <laughs> uh, can we get that one repealed? <laughs> no one's ever pleading the third. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think I think it'd be pretty funny. Everyone's always like, "Get rid of the Second Amendment. You got to protect the First Amendment." Uh, what if I ran for political office and my entire platform was get rid of the Third Amendment? <laughs> get it out of there. <laughs> get it out of there. We don't need it. It's wasting taxpayer money just being in there. All of the ink that we have to use to print the Third Amendment on all of the school handouts, we're wasting money. It's insane. Somebody told me that I sounded like John Mulaney the other day, and it hurt my feelings. <laughs> That's the thing I'm sensitive about. Okay, well, wowza! All right, well, that was that was that was a trip that we definitely needed. <laughs> Quite, that was good. That's that's uh, really reclaiming the true spirit of Hot Take Time Machine today. <laughs> it was just such a bad time to be on the oh, internet. Oh yeah, that's oh, one yeah. thing that we miss when you export all of your tweets. You don't get any of the context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you don't get you don't get the reactions the from people. Yeah. Man, Facebook, I oh, it was just I love you. 
it, it, what's what's great is like that that girl that commented on that. Like I haven't spoken to her since that post. Like I, sure. I I probably hadn't spoken to her before that post either. You should friend her back, and and send her a message and be like, hey. I'm really how's, sorry. That how's the how's the butter churn? How's your tractor? How's your tractor? What kind of tractor? Did, I did I did I did click on her uh, on her profile to see where I knew her from because I didn't remember her at all. And I saw that she is she is happily uh, engaged. So. That's great, great. I guess she it found was, a guy with a tractor after all. It it was Emma Slominski posting from the fields of Nebraska. <laughs> can Kansas people marry people from Nebraska? We can. We will. <laughs> I will. I'm gonna do it right now. Watch. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it this year. And you're invited. Hooray! Okay. Well, only if Phoebe comes. Yeah, Phoebe. Phoebe has to come legally. I don't think she's come with me to a wedding yet. Oh wait, yes she has. I'm yeah, kidding. I was about to say your wedding. No, besides that one. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's like you, you dolt. Okay. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Topic me. Topic you. Okay, so I was thinking earlier about getting ang- angry on oh. getting mad. Oh, online. We oh, were no. Phoebe and I were watching Unplanned yesterday. The, the movie. The movie Unplanned. I, did you watch it knowing what it was? Oh yeah, it was. Okay. It was. Was it as bad as I thought it was going to be? Yeah. Well, like they show an actual abortion. You're kidding. Yeah, like I oh mean, it goodness. must have been it must have been a recording of an ultrasound of an abortion, but it was it was awful. It was awful, and and you watch it for fun? No, 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 no. She had to watch what? it for an assignment for school, oh, and so I was like, okay. I'll watch it with you. Yeah, gosh, that sucks. That's the and worst like I I ever. wish that I wish that people could separate the the Christian movie aspect of it from the abortion aspect of it because like. It is a Christian movie. Like it's a pure flicks movie. You know, so it's yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. really cheesy. There's a there's a there's a girl power montage to the song You're an Overcomer by Natalie mm. What's her name? Mm. Uh You're an Overcomer. It's weird though oh, because the yeah. montages of them uh they're Hurricane Ike hits and they have to they have a bunch of appointments they have to cancel and so instead of canceling the appointment she she does this huge logistical move where she gets them all in on a Friday and they have like you're an overcomer playing, but I'm like, they're scheduling abortions. Like this feels like the wrong time for a montage. That's anyway, really weird. it was a weird montage. So anyway, I, I, I found myself like watching this movie and thinking no one who's intellectually honest would be able to sit through that abortion scene and say, I am still, sorry, let me rephrase that. No one who's intellectually honest will say I am for abortion and refuse to watch that scene. Like no one should be able to say I'm 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 for abortion and watch that scene. Yeah. Now this is different for like, I I, I think I think just as a as like a as someone who who has never been personally touched by that issue before, mm-hmm. I am against abortion, obviously. Me too. And then yeah, and then people who are in a similar situation to us who have never had to deal with that, um, deal with an unplanned pregnancy or anything of that of that nature. For them to say, I am, I think abortion is fine, I think they should watch that. I don't think anyone who has gone through one should necessarily watch that. Because yeah. I think that the the emotional, uh, so for some people, I think the emotional weight of their sin, all coming down on them at once. Um, anyway. But I, 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 was, it was, I was getting angry at the, at the idea of, like, after having watched that, I was very enraged at every politician who's ever been like flippant about abortion rights and saying, yeah. Oh, abortion rights are, you know, are, are essential and et cetera. And I just got very upset. And it reminded me of, 
like all the injustices in this world and like how how right the catholic church is and how wrong a lot of people are and i was getting upset and this is all to like set up the the point that i'm trying to make is i think i think any podcast listener who will be able to uh to corroborate this is that when someone is wrong mm. i am very not merciful and I would like to know how to be righteously angry while also being merciful to the person who is wrong. Mm. Because if I truly believe, because I, I honestly think that sometimes I feel threatened by people who have incorrect beliefs as if my correct beliefs will be overturned somehow by their incorrect beliefs. Oh, you're a liberal. Yes. That's literally like, that's why people, they get so, the they... People who are more left-leaning get so frustrated, is because but they're just more vocal about that, right? They yeah. they feel like things that they disagree with are actually like a threat to the truth that they hold. So, mm-hmm. but it's that's it's a human experience, right? To like hear yeah. something that's that you really strongly believe being denied. It's like why people get frustrated, like oh, you're giving this person a platform, you're you're giving this person more of a voice, uh, this that or the other thing, and it's like, well, yeah, of course, if you're if this is how we view like truth can't contradict truth, like truth can't lose. Yeah. You know? And so it's, I don't know. I, uh, I understand what you're saying. I think a lot of people experience that even if they can't put those words to it. I just, I just that wish that I could be notice. more not stoic, mm. but morning stoic podcast. So in, 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 I, w- I wish I could be more patient when mm. facing people who are wrong and deal with them, you know, more like say, well, that's just in my, in my, in my, I, I wish that my amygdala didn't activate when my, when I, when I'm presented with someone who believes something incorrect. Like I listen to a bunch of podcasts and one of those podcasts is a podcast about a far right extremist conspiracy theory and it's by very left leaning liberals. And so it's very mm. interesting to listen to. Because oh, yeah. they disagree with everything that the person that they're covering believes. And sometimes they say things that I deeply disagree with. Like one of them is very anti-religion. The other one is very level-headed mm-hmm. when it comes to it. He's like, I'm not going to, you know, he's like, I'm not going to say all religions are bad. But the other guy like very much believes that. And they they talked about how uh, the pagans were persecuted by the Christians. Like that's something that they've said on their podcast before and it, 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 it got i got very upset what because i was like take. how could you say that when literally the first three centuries of christian of christianity people were being killed and beheaded and crucified and you know most eaten of by the, lions yeah eaten by lions it's like 11 out of the 12 apostles were murdered you know and the 12th guy didn't really get a fair deal because he got thrown in a pit of boiling oil you know what i mean like they tried to burn him they tried to burn him alive. Yeah, it's it not exa- they didn't exactly live cakewalky lives, but we're very historically biased. We see the big powerful Christians, and we're like, oh, obviously the big powerful pope was always a big powerful pope, but that's mm-hmm. not how it works. Anyway, but it, I wish that instead of getting upset with that person, I could have been like just calm and been like, well, just dismiss. Like, hey, there's someone who's wrong. He's wrong. Maybe one day he'll be right. Doesn't affect mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I. It's 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 attention. Because we shouldn't just say, oh, this person is wrong and that's okay. Like, we shouldn't accept the fact that Joe Biden is pro-abortion. Yeah. You know? But also, we have to recognize, like, there are things that are outside of our sphere of influence. And there are things that should be outside of our sphere of concern, too. Interesting. Okay, yeah. Yes. So, there, there are things that, like... I that that so there's like a, a sphere of influence of like things that matter and that you have a direct effect on like I things that are happening with my team and my students I'm like intimately connected with and I can I can actually affect what somebody believes about the Catholic Church I can affect what somebody believes about morality because on this campus because they're my friend and I can meet with them and I can talk to them and have a conversation with them that lasts all school year long you know and mm-hmm. that it doesn't have to be like a one shot thing. Um, and so it's okay for me to be more emotionally invested and more frustrated uh, if it's not going well, because that's actually something that I do have a say in. If you meet somebody on the street 
who's saying like, let's say Westboro Baptist or whatever, you know, and they're like, ah, God hates the gay people, you know, and they're obviously being incorrect. It's not, you can't have the same emotional investment with that person than you do with your, a friend of yours that you can walk with for a year or two years or 10 years or 20 years, you know, and even more so I'm probably never going to meet Joseph R. Biden ever. Like she probably never time left. (laughs) (laughs) I know he's dead. What? 10 years. Um, but the, so the fact of the matter is, is I, I can recognize like, okay, he is well out of my sphere of influence. And there are things that he does that sh- ought to be in my sphere of concern, like it worth devoting some emotional attention to, but also recognizing like he is elected and he will be the president for four years and that the, the all of the other politicians who are around him have, have been elected and they will be there for, for two to four years. And like, there's not much I can do about that right now in my day-to-day life. And so like my sphere of concern is, does not hit the president. It does not really hit many things. And I think where people get really frustrated, especially now with social media is that we're convinced that our sphere of influence and and is bigger, which means that our sphere of concern then gets bigger. And we're more concerned about more things that we actually have way less influence over. And we're less concerned about the things that we have more influence over. That's why I think social media is bad. It gives you the impression that your sphere of influence is a lot bigger than it actually is. But it's actually not. And I I think it's a good exercise if you find yourself getting angry about things, that you're consistently getting angry about things that are outside of your sphere of influence, like taking stock and being like, what is actually, what do I actually have effect on? And what are the things that most drive me within this sphere of things I actually have an effect on? Because that's probably where God wants you to put your time and energy, right? He's given you desires and he's given you like the ability to, to, to change the world, you know? as grand as that sounds, right? That's human agency is here to change things and make them more in line with the true, the good and the beautiful. So I think it has to start with, you can't just say, Oh, I need to be more patient. Like, cause that's like a symptom of a, of a more rooted problem, which is like you or I, like I experienced this too. I'm I'm just saying you as a general sense, like you have, Uh, one could call it pride. I don't want to jump to that, but like this, this notion of like, I have more power than I actually do. Or I think that I have more power than I actually do. I think I have more ability to affect things than I actually do. That's a very human thing, I think. Yeah. So it's, it's, there's two issues here. There's one allowing things into my sphere of concern that shouldn't be there. Correct. And there's another issue of thinking that things are in my sphere of influence when they aren't. Yes. So it's like one is something that I'm actively doing and one is just a misperception. Yeah. So like, for instance, perhaps that guy saying like being, being, if I were, if I were really preoccupied with that guy saying that pagans persecuted the Christians or yes. vice versa, sorry, which is what he yes. said. What I said is true. Um, <laughs> if I were very preoccupied with that, that would be allowing something into my sphere of concern that really shouldn't be there. Exactly. And the abortion thing should be in my sphere of concern, and it yes. is. Yes. But certain parts of it are not in my sphere of influence. Right. So what is in my sphere of influence? How can I expand mm-hmm. my sphere of influence, so to speak, mm-hmm. in ways yeah. that are, are yeah. Because we can't, we can't be concerned about, there's, there's 7 billion people on the planet. Yeah. Like, we can't be concerned about every single person's right or wrong beliefs in the, in the particular sense. But we can be concerned on, on the universal sense. Like, I'm not concerned with um, the, like, I don't know who lives three streets over from me. You know, even though he's less than a mile from me, I don't, I can't possibly know every single person in every single house in this area. Yeah. You know, because um, that's just crazy. And, but I'm, but I'm concerned. So I'm not concerned in the particular sense about what that guy thinks about abortion. But I am concerned in the universal sense of I think everybody in Tulsa should vote to ban abortion, you know, so yes. like that is that is a part of my concern. So I think it's like recognizing, OK, this this is the foundation foundational principle that we're coming from. And then I like what you said of like thinking about ways. How can we actually increase our sphere of influence? How can we actually I think we try to throw darts at a dartboard that's like 200 miles away. And then we get frustrated because none of our, because it has to be precise and it has to be exact and it has to be like calculated. But then we just 
we just miss. It's like spitting into the wind and nothing happens and we get frustrated. It's like, ah, I thought I could change this and you actually can't. So how do you make that bigger? Well, I don't know how you make I don't know how you make your sphere of influence bigger in the general sense, but I know Stephen oh. Covey talks about it in oh, Seven Habits of go, Highly Effective baby. People. Yes. I haven't read this in about a year, but he talks about the that he talks about the sphere of influence in the first chapter, Habit One, be productive. This mm. year be proactive, not uh reactive. Yeah. And he talks about people who are proactive focus on what's in their sphere of influence, people that are reactive focus on what's in their sphere of concern. Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, you know, they, they're very concerned about what's in yes. their sphere of concern, but they don't realize that they don't actually have the power to change it now, but a, a highly effective people, I think focusing on what's in your sphere of influence naturally expands it because, um, because when you have a proactive focus, like to him who has more and more will be given. To him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That's about grace, but it's also about the responsibility that God gives you. Yes. Because if you're trustworthy with little, you'll be trustworthy in great things too. This, uh, I too have pulled a book off of my shelf because this, this reminds me of, uh, I'm, I'm just about finished. I got like 10 pages left of three to get married by Fulton Machine. Dude was a, a prophet, like the things that he just wrote about as far as predicting just how American culture was going. Yeah. I don't understand how he did it. He was great. Um, he says one of the most insidious influences in modern society comes from those who develop a social conscience without an individual conscience or who separate love of neighbor from love of God, or who feel that by transferring their inner sense of guilt to others whom their social conscience derides, they can thereby escape the inner sense of guilt to which their personal consciences bear witness. By reforming others, they acknowledge the need of regeneration, but not in their own hearts. Which is, I, I think, just like the, maybe not the problem of our age, but it's one of the problems of our age, is that people have developed this social, general social concern, right? And it's not rooted in any sort of need for conversion. Like... Which would be the proper social concern, right? Like my proper social concern is that everybody has a conversion to the Lord and loves God and loves their neighbor and loves their family and all of those things. Like that's, that's proper social concern. But it's more so now not a matter of conversion but a matter of re-education and rehabilitation and psychoanalyzing and therapy and like using those tools, like these social sciences that kind of cropped up since the 19th century to like solve i guess the yeah 19th century 20th century to solve the problems instead of conversion which is really dangerous and we're seeing the effects of it and it's hard to say that because like i don't know you go to therapy i don't want to tell you that therapy's wrong you know but uh if we just tell a whole nation a whole society therapy is the solution without conversion mm-hmm or re-education, right? We gotta, we gotta, we gotta educate people on on race. We gotta educate people on, uh, you know, politics. We gotta, we gotta really rehabilitate the social mind on when it comes to federal power and state police authority and all all of these kinds of things. Um, that's that's the prevailing mindset right now. Is that people? You just have to educate yourself, and once you get educated, then you're then you'll be good to go. And there's that's. That's developing a social conscience before developing an individual conscience. And that has the hallmarks of Marxism. And that's not, not very good. It's, yeah. It's, it's bad. It I is bad, say. in fact. I think, I think Catholics are guilty of this, too. Oh, definitely. Definitely, yeah. It's like, I, I know the truth, therefore I'm good. I mean, in order for people to be open to revelation, open to the gospel, they need they're, they're like the soil needs to be tilled, in a sense, and that's not in a sense. That's literally from the parable what, of the sower. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but like I think part of that sowing needs to be a recognition of individual wrongdoing, a recognition of your conscience, mm. a recognition that you have betrayed that conscience and you need you've sinned and you need forgiveness. 
and the recognition that you don't know everything that's right and wrong. Like mm-hmm. those three things, people will be open to hear the gospel. But people don't aren't ready to recognize that they've sinned. They um they aren't ready to recognize that they're that they're they have a conscience. Yeah. Um like an individual conscience. They aren't ready to they aren't ready to recognize that they don't know the difference between right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um they people people honestly believe that they they individually know the difference between right and wrong and they're willing to live in this like non-committal where we are willing to live in this non-committal relativism where it's like what i what i even what i don't know is wrong even if i do it it's not that wrong because i know all mm-hmm. the really bad things so it's mm-hmm. fine mm-hmm. it's it's a non-committal relativism i don't think i don't think absolute relativism is a pro as big of a problem as uh chris Stefanik made it sound back in high school but like it it is a problem you know <laughs> like yeah it's it's just when the when democracy i think this is john paul ii talks about this in veritatis splendor he does i know exactly what you're talking about when democracy and ethical relativism are combined it's totalitarianism it's totalitarianism because it's Mm -hmm. it's it's what uh uh, we're just throwing out all the names here de tocqueville says uh (laughs) it's it's the um tyranny of the masses essentially yeah because there's no longer like a uh when you have democracy and the and truth keeps shifting then there's no personal responsibility it's just this like the people chose this and i am a person and therefore i chose this yeah i'm a part of this system that chose this thing and so i have to be okay with it because it was democratically chosen even if what was true 20 years ago is not true today. And what was true five years ago is, is not true today. Um, like we joke about Marco Rubio being the far right, but like he used to be, you know, and like that shift is happening really, really quickly. Uh, and there's lots of shifts happening. Really, Mitt really Romney quickly. used to be far right. And Mitt Romney used to be far right. And now Mitt Romney, what's he doing? He's just, he's, he's being an old man. He's, he's trying to get everybody to come together. He's vote. He's voting for impeachment. That boy. He's, he's yeah. He, Mitt Romney was far right. And then, and then, uh, eight years later, far right people tried to murder him. <laughs> Crazy. Specifically. Anyway. And that's, um, I think that's why. Yeah. So getting back to your original point of like the anger with other people, we are living in a society. We're living in a, in a, in a quiet totalitarian society and we're not going to be able to just overthrow it by electing this guy or that guy. And I think that's really frustrating for people. <laughs> yeah, so where this where my my original anger thing, people feel that in general about politics. So we're now shifting yes. a conversation about the sphere of concern to how the sphere of concern works in politics. I would like re- let the record reflect I did not start the politics conversation I this week. Ethan for... Stevie started the politics conversation it's this true. week. Sometimes I learn things and I want to share them too. Um I was trying to draw it more <laughs> back to your Sorry. Your uh <laughs> It's okay. I deserve it. Uh, but the the thing with abortion too, because abortion is is morality, but it's tied in with politics so closely, so it's hard to. Yeah, well, politics is the morality the of a nation. So yes, well, it's I mean, that's what I said. You know, that's what I've always believed. Yeah. It. Uh, this is why people get so angry, because they see things that are wrong. They see same sex marriage being legalized. They see abortion. You know, the the Hyde Amendment getting repealed and all of this stuff, and they're like, "What is going on?" Like I. I feel like the rug is getting pulled out from underneath me. And so you get angry and you try to yell at people and you try to change people's minds. Cause if I just changed enough people's minds, if everybody agreed with me, then we would all vote for the same person and then it would be okay. But that's the problem with this, what the JP two is talking about with like this ethical relativism is that everybody's going to agree with you. But then because of the cultural pressure and the societal pressure and the entertainment and the advertisements and the, education systems that are all imposed and sanctioned by the state we're we're not actually going to change anything right we're just going to be picked up by the wave and all the people who agreed on this one thing are now going to it's going to shift again and some people are going to agree with the new thing and some people are going to stick with the old thing and then you have liberals and conservatives and the whole it all starts over again you know like conservatism are just people who aren't liberal enough yet yes um I'm currently reading a collection of essays by Michael D. O'Brien called The Family and the New Totalitarianism, in case you haven't uh, picked that up. Was Michael but O'Brien a post-liberal? Sorry, is. He, still it, he probably was. Uh, probably is. The, the only solution to this is, is the family. 
It has to be. Why'd you twerk your Why'd you twerk your head like that? It's good. It's good. It's a good answer. It's it's good stuff. Because unfortunately, the family we're just gonna put a breakdown of the family. The family's gonna go away soon. There's gonna be no more families. I mean, I might hate to break can it to you, you, but can you explain this to me? Here's my question. <laughs> I I'm kind of upset. So the more I read, <laughs> what is this in your circle of influence? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm about to get married, so yes, in some way. Um, I've been reading this guy, Fulton Sheen. I've been reading old Michael D. And both of them have this this kind of... They're coming at it from very different standpoints. Yeah. Uh, Michael O'Brien coming from the more like totalitarianism is, is bad. And I'm going to quote a lot of JP2. Fulton Sheen is coming from a lot of angles of like fundamental philosophy about marriage and fundamental philosophy uh-huh. about society and how those two things are related. And it's kind of putting these pieces together in my mind. If we've been saying the family's under attack, Fatima, the, the family's going to gonna be collapsed. We can't support Black Lives Matter because the family's collapsing. But nobody's doing anything about it. Like we just keep saying, oh, the family's under attack. But but what? nobody's done anything. Like... Oh, we're gonna we're gonna oh I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend like I know what the JP two Institute for Family Life is. I'm gonna pretend like I know what that is and, and I'm gonna move on my merry way and say that I'm defending the family. I'm gonna have seven kids and say that I'm defending the family. That's true. You should have lots of kids. But like what what is the actual concerted effort by the Catholic Church to actually advance the cause of the family? Because I just other than other than it being a negative opposition of abortion and contraception, which I think is good, but I don't think it's actually defending the family. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I just I'm my mind is blown because I'm I see this like we've been talking about this since the freaking forties, and nobody's done anything. We just kind of sat here. I literally I can literally hear my mother in law in the car right now going, "I'm doing my best." <laughs> <laughs> my mother in law is great. She started this thing called Stella Maris Center. Follow them on Instagram. Um, it's like an institute for it's an it's it's a small like institute for family life and like resources for married couples. I need to send you some stuff or please do. I'm sure um, there's people out there doing good work. Just to just to preface. Oh yeah yeah yeah. But she she like she's worked she worked in the family office of family life uh, uh for the Archdiocese of Houston Galveston Houston for a while and. And so, like, I, I've I've seen a lot of good things happening with like the Catholic Church making an effort for families, but I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm frustrated because because my my parish staff and I we always talk about we need to like build up the domestic church, and then mm-hmm. we're like we got to focus on the domestic church. Yeah, and, and everybody knows because they they've heard that term before. Yeah, <laughs> and everyone's like, yes, I did read the Catechism. The family is a domestic church. Yes. Um, and our solution is more programs. No, but you're going to get me upset. I, but uh, but our listeners don't don't need to know that our listeners are not in danger of, of buying too many programs. Um, honestly, the solution and like the solution for restoring the family is getting over that little that little hump in in that little mental block in your brain that says, "Oh, you don't need to pray with your spouse. Like you don't need to pray with your family. Like it's going to be awkward if you pray with your family. Like they're going to think that you're virtue signaling. Like you don't need to do that. Uh, get over that little thing and then start praying with each other, um, and that will help your family. And then once you guys are really good at that, pray with other people and pray with other families." Uh, and then uh, have like you know you know how like the family is the first society, yes. the second society is a group of families. Okay, oh. so if you don't want your family to break down, you should have a second society too. You know, and then a third. You know, it's like a society of societies. That's how community works. But right now we have two extremes: it's the individual and the nation, and even that's going away. It's going to become the individual and the world. You know. Um, where you just kind of happen to be in a section of the world and that section has more sections and that section has counties and that section has cities. And it's like, yeah. And, and there's a bunch of individuals living in this city together. The way to build up the family is to build your own and then build up other families around you. I think that, and I, I think what the church's role in that is providing a place for families to meet each other and like pray together in, on neutral ground, you know, like when you're introducing two dogs to each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, do you want to hit up Doctor's Dating Corner? Oh, can I say something first? Though? Yeah, sorry. No, it's okay. You just want me to get. Well, you want to get me off of this? I got. I got to go soon. I got to go class. Okay, I'll, I'll just say this really quickly. I think the the church has been too easy on men 
Yeah. Just in general. Uh, yeah, I think so too. There was a there was a talk that was posted on the Scott Hahn podcast, Road to Emmaus. It was quickly taken down. I think they put it up by accident, but I listened to the whole thing before they took it down. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he he did some quotes, people or some some statistics. Everybody always loves these statistics about the faith of the mother, the faith of the father. But th- this is one I hadn't heard before. It was like if the if the child converts to Christianity, then the parents have like a two percent chance of converting. If the mother converts. And then the family has like a 17% chance of converting. But if the father converts, it's like 95%, which is wild to me. It makes a lot of sense, but that's just like the, the leap is nutso. Yeah. And we tell this to fathers all the time, and I think they just are, are inundated by the stats, and they don't really – they're like, oh, yeah, I know I got to – I bring my family to mass every Sunday. Yeah, that's my dad voice. Um, but I think the church needs to be more – challenging to fathers and i think COVID is a is a great opportunity because you probably can't have in-person catechesis for the kids and so i hope this is what churches have been doing but i think it's a great chance to say we're actually going to trust you to learn enough about your faith to teach your child and it's it's this like constant struggle of like if we don't have them send them to a class then they won't teach them and if they don't get taught then they won't get the sacraments and we'd rather have people have the sacraments like we're i i don't know where it was I heard this, but there maybe it was every knee shall bow. It's like we're prioritizing people being in the church over uh, like the gospel actually being preached, like people actually converting to know Jesus. And so we have all of these programs and these kids. I know you work for a parish, so you can't comment on this. But we have all these programs and all these kids who are just being kept in the church when and, we, and we're not challenging the parents at all. And like even the programs that the kids go through, don't tell me that CCD from the ages of, of six to the age of 14, don't tell me that these kids are learning anything because they're not. They're on their phones. And when they're not on their phones because the teacher takes it away, they don't want to pay attention because they don't want to be there because it's not preached in the home. And so it's it's all just You're a big. You're explaining f- my Sunday. Yes. Not my not my high schoolers. They want to uh-huh. be there because They're it's great. optional. But like my yes. literally that was my eighth graders for a yeah. while. And it was only because I was like, if you let me talk for the next five, 15 minutes, I'll play Among Us with you. Okay. That's what I, that's, I it was bargaining. That's that's, <laughs> that's wild. But I think the challenge has to be made from, it has to come from the priest. It can't come from a DRE. Okay. Like the priest actually has to execute his function as a teacher and governor and 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 preacher of the word like he has to actually do that he has to go to his families and, and be ex- ex- exercise his his authority to govern and say you have to do this but but priests are like no everybody come to the fish fry and i'm gonna be there and i'm gonna be on a skateboard and it's gonna be cool like what are you doing and, uh, not all priests do this a lot of priests are great that's all, all of them that's, do it no, i'm just kidding that, that's <laughs> That's those are those are my only comments. It's just I think yeah. we need to be more challenging to the families to actually be the domestic church instead of just saying we need to have a domestic church. How about we actually give families resources to be the domestic church? And if they don't want to be, let's not force them to be by forcing their children to go to all these programs. Let people yeah. choose to not be in the church. Yes. Instead of trying I think, to string I think them along. This, I think this goes back to our circle of influence conversation where yes. the church as a whole has this idea that we that the uh, that the people that are leaving are within our circle of influence. They're it's not, not the case. The people walk in, by the time they walk out the door, if they've, it's like there's a statistic that's like 68% of people who are baptized. It's like for every one person that comes, six people leave that thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my parish right now is really focused on making sure that that number, that the six number goes down. I'm like, what about instead of making the six number go down, make the one go up, <laughs> you know, like let the six leave, but let make it, make it six stay. for every two, you know, that's a better statistic, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, convert more people. If the wedding guests want to leave, Send your servants out to the streets. Invite the people that weren't invited. Anyway, this is the that. highways and byways, baby. The highways and byways, baby, where there is wailing and gnashing. Of, never mind. All right, let's let's hit one quick doctor. Yeah, yeah I question. know. You, I know you got to go. Thank you. I got to go. But anyway, first, but first, I want. I want. I do want to say. Um, uh, <laughs> I got to go really fast. But first, let me. The, someone this. has been. Someone emailed me twice. I need to get back to them, and I haven't. They have. Okay. They have critiques of our Dr. Ethan Zayden corner, particularly the part where you tell people to move cities. Yeah. Uh, and the only reason I have a problem with. The only reason I'm I want to bring up their critique is because she said you guys keep saying this. I've never said this. Maybe I it's, did. I don't know. Um, anyway, if people don't want to move, don't move. 
don't a, a podcast is not binding. <laughs> I can have my I can have an opinion that's bad, and your sphere of influence is not big enough to change it. So uh, I know it hurts. I'm sorry. It's it's not, I, 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 I... All right, you came to the right place. You ding dong. It's called communication, baby. <laughs> Dear Ethan and Pat, <laughs> you guys can make up a name for me. I am a 20-year-old male attending university, and I am a sophomore. Richard. Here is my situation. There is a girl that I've liked since my first semester of freshman year. Aww. We were in a class together that semester, and we sort of formed a cool friendship over shared Ooh. interests. Throughout our friendship, I wasn't sure if she was flirting with me or not. It seemed mm. like she was, but that contradicted the fact that she ended up dating someone else. Ooh. Uh, that'll do it. I'm pretty sure that I was misinterpreting her personality, but maybe not, question mark. Last semester, fall of 2020, after she had left her last relationship, I asked her out face to face. Yes. I made my intentions very clear. Awesome. By saying, I want to go on a date with you. And she turned me down. Aww. Uh, F's at the chat for for our heroic fallen friend. She turned me down politely, presumably because of the academic stress at that time. Ah, don't presume that. Don't presume. Oh, by saying not now. We stopped talking. Girls are the worst when they do this. Not now. Don't give the boy hope. He will latch onto that like a dog onto your oh heel. Oh my gosh, you gotta be so careful. We stopped talking after that for the rest of the semester. There it is. I thought we'd just be awkward forever. I thought the door was finally closed. Wow, this dude knows how it works. Mm-hmm. Good job. He thought Good. the door was closed. That's great. I've been stressing endlessly over the past year, trying to build up the courage to ask her out. I thought now that she'd given me I thought now that she'd give me a clear answer I could move on. Oh yes. uh, wait, sorry. I I had been stressing. Mm-hmm. Trying he's to stress for a out. year, yeah. but now he's no longer stressed because she'd given him a clear answer and he can move on. And yes. this gave me some relief. I tried to branch out, maybe get to know someone else, but I couldn't shake that knot. Now, no, no, what did you do to our boy, Richard. <laughs> I I really got to stop screaming in my office. I'm not you sure really if I could confidently pursue someone else while she's still out there with her ambiguous answer to my question. <laughs> it's been bugging me a lot lately. Now that the spring semester has started, we're talking again like pals, as if nothing ever happened. I want to be her friend again. Um, we have a lot of shared interests. And I'd like someone to talk to about them, but still the affection remains. And I'd like to ask her, hey, you down to try dating now? But I don't want to come off as desperate. Also, I'd hate to ruin the friendship for good if she's not interested at all and it was just being nice. I suffer from social anxiety, so this has been a bit of a pain. What should I do? Should I ask her out? Should I refrain in order to preserve the friendship? Should I see if she makes the first move? Or should I stop worrying so much? Uh, thanks for the content, you guys. Richard, I guess. Hey, hey, Ethan and Pat. I keep drinking poison every week and it's really hurting me. What should I do? Hey, doctor, it hurts when I do this. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. <laughs> Ethan Man. Patrick, I'm really allergic to nuts, but every week this this I keep just – I find these nuts, and I, I used to think that I was allergic to them, and I stayed away from them for a whole semester. But then I started eating those nuts again, and now I'm getting an allergic reaction. What should I do? Should I keep <laughs> eating the nuts? Should I, propo- the nuts. should I propose to the nuts? Um, she is listen. a friend, my man. Richard. If she wanted to, no girl is too busy with school to date someone she really likes. Okay. That's just the fact. Nobody's too, if they really like someone, no one is too busy for them. And she probably really appreciates your friendship. But there's not going to be a, it's not. Yeah, she yeah, she did she did you dirty, and you like recognized that the door was closed, yes. and you saw through it. But like because she said the not now thing, your boy yeah. brain, the back of your, I mean, I I have one too. I, yeah, I we we all have all monkey brains unite, baby. Monkey brains unite. We've all been there where someone puts us on the hook, and it's like not now. It's like maybe yep. someday, and it's like oh maybe yep. someday. Yeah, and then you spend and, a bunch of time with her, and you always go to Walmart with her, and uh, then. Uh, she's like, oh, well, she always wants to go to the grocery store with me, so she must want to date me because this is what people in relationships do. And then you ask her out a third time your senior year of college, and then she says no, and then she moves to Oregon. <laughs> Ethan's down bad. That's <laughs> <laughs> That happened to me because I wouldn't let go. Yeah. Like I just I was so attached to the idea of dating this person. Yeah. And it just it was just it never it never worked out because she said Honestly, she even said yes to a couple dates. And I was like, oh, and then it was and it was a not now. And I was like, what? Wow. And you just got to you, you, you really have to recognize it's the, the jig is up. You got to stop being friends with her if it's going to hurt you, though. Yeah, I also. think I think someone who hold on. I forget. 
was it no it wasn't his freshman year he asked her out also no one's that busy their first year of fre- their first semester of freshman year that's just yeah. not real there's no social events it's yeah. there's a pandemic she, yeah I what mean, are you talking about on. yeah um how is she that busy she doesn't have anything going on um yeah i think what you said is kind of the nail in the coffin for this chick it's like yeah you know you you said uh she said she's too busy if she liked you she would have made time for you like you don't yeah. want to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't have time for you. doesn't have time for you yeah i think you have to move cities yeah if she has time to sit and talk to you about oh, that was funny that was thanks funny. you didn't i thought you would laugh you didn't i didn't i'm sorry i missed it That's i was okay. like i think if she has time to hang out with you and talk about your interests she has time to go on dates you know exactly exactly anyway and if she's not going on dates i mean she probably is just not interested and that's okay yeah it's fine it's fine not be interested you can be friends with her you can be you can be friends with girls who are not now a guy that's fine just don't recommend them to your friends be like nah she not now to me she's a not right. now girl patrick has to go to class i do right after we took all you to school all right facebook.com slash the crunch cast patreon.com slash the crunch catholic match.com slash the crunch no, just crunch just CatholicMatch.com slash crunch. CatholicMatch.com slash just crunch. <laughs> uh, who knows if there will be an ad in this episode or not. Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? Remember, if you ever go skiing, don't fall. Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We will be praying for you, and we will see you all next week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.